0: we are continuing our uh, Sign of the Time series, taking a look at that uh, rather famous uh, El Arroyo restaurant sign down in Austin. Anybody ever driven by it and seen it in real life? If you haven't seen it in real life, probably can loosely almost guarantee you that you've seen it on the internet at least, right? Uh, In the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at some of those little pithy sayings, those little quips that uh, they put out on the sign. And just like in so many other areas of life, I've been kind of learning, even though this is lighthearted, even though we get a little giggle, a little chuckle uh, out of it, uh, because they're quite clever, uh, really in, in humor, there's often some deep truth. There's something that kind of gets to the heart of the matter when we learn to just kind of take a deep breath and laugh a little bit and, and just say, hey, this is funny, but it also is speaking to something that I kind of need to hear right now. And that's been my experience the past couple of weeks in this series. Um, and so we come to our sign tonight. This is the final week of this. And tonight we're talking about falling apart. So here's our sign. It's okay if you fall apart sometimes. Uh, Tacos fall apart and we still love them. This one's uh, a little personal for me uh, because this is actually uh, pinned up on one of the bulletin boards in the south stairway over in the office building. And so for the past couple years, I've been passing by this almost every day, stopping and reading it because there's a lot of days and I'm like, all right, John, just hold it together. Taco sign, thank you for the encouragement on the way up. Uh, And and then I can get going on my day because that's a reminder that we all need to hear. Um, Because we all fall apart sometimes. It's part of being human. And the thing is, is it doesn't really feel good. You know, I've fallen apart and and messed up and and really just done something that maybe I shouldn't have done so many times in life. Uh, Back in 2005 at Christmas time, it was the Uh, So third Christmas that uh, my wife and I were together, we didn't have kids yet. Um, I was working at a church, we were living in a parsonage, and my wife was uh, doing her student teaching, uh, you know, getting getting ready to wrap up her degree. And so she was doing that instead of working, and I was just working at a church uh, and living in the parsonage, and we didn't have, you know, a lot of money to spend on each other for Christmas, but we still wanted to get each other something. And I'll tell you something. This is an admission that I have to make tonight. I'm really one of the worst gift buyers that you'll ever meet in your life. (laughs) I I try to be thoughtful and and, and get the right gift. I strike out a lot. Um, And my grace-filled wife has been so kind through the years and putting up with that. We've we've learned that the Amazon wish list where she just tells me what to buy her and sends that to me is really the best way to go. Um, But I was doing my best. So we went down to Walmart and we we split up and we just took like 50 bucks and said, okay, half an hour to shop, then we'll come back here, then we'll go home and wrap the gifts, right? Just made a little game out of it. And uh, I was thinking, what do I get her? I have no idea. And then I remembered something. About a month ago, she said, hey, I wanna, I'd like to start riding bikes together. You know, we live by a park and there's some trails, it'd be really fun for us. I was thinking, that's it, that's my in. I'm gonna buy bicycle stuff. And so I went and I got a little clip-on water bottle for like the bike frame. Um, and I got, uh, you know, a couple little things. I think I got her a helmet or something. And the piece de resistance, uh, unfortunately. I thought it'd be great to buy one of those little honky horns, you know, with the little bulb on the end of it, and, and, and bolt that on the frame of her bike. And so I thought, I've done well. I've done such a great job. Christmas morning comes around, we open the gifts. And can you, I'm gonna leave it up to you to guess the expression on her face when she opened a bike horn with a little rubber bulb on the end of it. And, and I knew that I had really messed up. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm sorry. I, it took me a while to dig out of that hole, but I knew I had done the wrong thing. I had completely just whiffed it. And so I know what that feels like. Even when our intentions are good to, uh, you know, step off into something and mess it up, fall apart. And the thing is, is that that is a universal human experience that is not unique to any one of us, but we all know what that feels like. And the apostle Paul knew what that felt like too. So we're gonna look at scripture tonight in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. We're gonna read verses six through 10 together real quick. Now, Paul, uh, will set the story a little bit. You know, This is one of those churches that he had a long relationship with. He helped found the church. He, 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 he spent much time with these people on his journeys, and, and, and he wrote quite a bit of material that we still have in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians and, and 2 Corinthians, encouraging them and shaping the life of their community and continuing to disciple them long after he'd left town. And 2 Corinthians chapter 12 He gets on the subject that he actually talks about quite a bit, and we're gonna get into that in a second. Uh, But he's talking about boasting here. In verse six, but if I wish to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it so that no one may think better of me than what is seen in me or heard from me, even considering the exceptional character of the revelations. Therefore, to keep me from being too elated, A thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. This is God's word for us tonight, folks. See, if we had longer to get into an in-depth Bible study on everything Paul says about boasting, we could be here for hours. But we've got to hit this quick a little bit tonight. See, for Paul, when he's writing his churches and he's, and, he, and he's teaching us about this, he's setting two things up in opposition to each other. See, he knows that it's a great temptation for us as, as humans, as flesh and blood, to boast, to build ourselves up, to say self-glorifying things about ourselves, to make ourselves look good in front of others, to make ourselves feel better, maybe to make up for some of our inadequacies, our weaknesses. And at the root of that, It's actually not strength and power, he says, At the root of it is actually fear and insecurity. That thought of, what's somebody gonna think about me if they knew who I really am? And so what he tries to get us to, to do instead of leaning into that temptation to boast and to lift ourselves up is instead to put our faith in Christ, the one who poured himself out, the one who emptied himself out. And so boasting on one hand and faith on the other hand. Those are the two choices that are put before us. And the thing is, is that temptation to boast, it really is strong. Because we think, you know, hey, if, um, if I can just kind of control this fear by, by lifting myself up, then maybe I can master it. Then maybe I can beat it. And the truth is, is that when we ever, whenever we try to do that, it ends up beating us. We end up becoming enslaved to that fear, enslaved to that insecurity, always running from it, always trying to hide it. And yet, Paul is telling us tonight just let go of it. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about glorifying yourself. Glorify Him. And know that there is actually strength in weakness, that there is power in admitting that I am not. The be-all, end-all for myself—that I am not my own savior. So, how do we tonight? How do we overcome that temptation to lean into fear and insecurity and lift ourselves up and boast in our strengths and show that side of the best side of ourselves to the world? How do we? Um, how do we instead embrace that transformation that comes from faith and being vulnerable? and transparent with the Lord and with those around us. I think there's actually two things that we can kind of pick up on in in our scripture tonight to help us get there. The first one is this. Like I said, we all fall apart. And you know what? Sometimes when I fall apart, when when, when everything's breaking down, guess whose fault it is? It's my fault. There are so many times when my life has fallen apart and there's nobody to blame except for me sometimes it's my fault. You know, and and it's uh, true for all of us tonight. Everybody in this room, you've had seasons in your life where things were kind of falling apart and not going just the way you would wish they would go. And the root of that might be a choice that you made along the way. And how do we deal with that? See, sometimes it's something as little as, you know, buying a cheesy honky horn for uh, your your wife for Christmas when you should have been way more thoughtful than that. I've since learned, by the way, that was a long time ago. Um, But man, imagine if it was a bigger stage. What if it was something really big? This past week we celebrated an important anniversary in uh, sports history. Um, It's a little, I say it's important, it's actually a little obscure, but I think that it's a defining moment for what we are talking about tonight. See, on April the 26th, 1931, I wasn't around yet, but I have read about it. Uh, Lou Gehrig, great baseball hero of yesteryear, comes up to the plate, does what Lou Gehrig does so often, and hits it out of the park. And not just any home run that night, that was actually the home run that would put him over the top and in sole ownership of the American League home run crown for that season. It was the big one. But something happened. The ball leaves the park. And then Lou Gehrig, who knows base, the game of baseball inside and out, like the back of his hand, he gets called out on the play, and so the home run doesn't count. You think, well, how, how does he get called out? Well, here's the thing. He passed a runner on the way to home. <laughs> well, that's a really basic rule. You know, I don't blame him. I, I just know what, sometimes you get in that moment and, and things are moving around and it's a little crazy. And man, he just messed up a little bit. And then instead of owning the American League home run crown with 47 home runs that year, he actually tied with Babe Ruth for 46. And that moment was just one of those moments he just could never get back. You ever have one of those? We do. We all do but when those moments happen, the correct response is to not uh, get defensive and build ourselves up, but instead to just be humble and honest before God, be vulnerable, and just say, Lord, I have messed up. This one's on me. I'm the one who made the wrong choice. I'm the one, and it's my fault this time, Lord. And not even just with God. We have to do that with the relationships with people around us as well. But it's really hard to be that vulnerable. But there's power in admitting our failure. There's power in confessing that that one was on me. And see, in the long term, what it does is it builds trust. And what is trust? That's another word for faith. And so if we're going to grow in our relationship with God and in our relationships with others and building trust over time, this is just one little thing that goes a long way as we get down the road. Just being willing to simply say, I'm sorry, it's my fault, I admit it. And the good news is is that when we go before God and say, God, that one's on me, sorry, Um, we don't find an angry taskmaster. Instead, we find a loving God who graciously, mercifully and lovingly offers us an invitation, holds out an outstretched hand and says, it's okay, come home, just come back. You see, it's one thing to admit to my own shortcomings and say, you know what, I'm the one who messed up that, that, that time and you know, it, take, it takes time to develop that habit, but there's another side to this coin too. Because you see, sometimes there are things that are hurtful and things are falling apart and it's something that's not our fault, something that happens to us. And see, that one's a little stickier to deal with. See, if it's just on me and it's a mea culpa, my bad, I'm sorry. See, that's, I get to decide how to resolve that. But when it's something that happens to us, that's a little tougher And see, Paul knew exactly what that was like. He mentions that thorn in the flesh just in passing, right? He says, I've I've got this thorn in the flesh, this thing that's bothering him, it's giving him trouble and difficulty, and he says that uh, I asked God three times to take this thing away, and that's not what God did. What his thorn in the flesh was, see, the thing is, we actually don't know. know, our best guess is that uh, it's probably some kind of physical ailment It might be a deteriorating eyesight. Uh, We get kind of some hints of that in his letters. Uh, It might be a reference to all the hardship and the persecution, uh, being arrested and and beaten over and over again. He makes reference to that in his letters. Um, We don't know exactly. But the point there is not to know what it was. The point is to know that he experienced it and that the Lord taught him something and how to handle it. See, God's answer to him wasn't, okay, I'll remove that. It was, all right, Paul, just take a deep breath. I'm not going to take this away. Just know that my grace is sufficient for you in the midst of it. And there's a lesson there. Because see, when, when that happens to me, I know know what Paul feels like. I I know the temptation to say, hey, God, will you just take this away? Will you just do some uh, kind of spiritual and emotional surgery on me and just cut that part out and and just put it somewhere I can't see it anymore so that I don't have to deal with it? That would just be ideal. Okay, God, thanks. (laughs) And so often when we ask God to remove our pain, instead what God says is, Son, daughter, rather than remove your pain, let me redeem your pain. Let me work in you in the midst of this. Let me be the shepherd that walks beside you in the valley of the shadow of death. Because when that happens, um, something happens inside of us. We, We begin to grow something called empathy in our own pain. We know what it feels like to walk through something like this. And then when we see other people around us going through something similar, we're able to step into that space with them and minister to them and serve them and walk alongside with them and say, let me walk alongside you just as Christ walks alongside both of us in this moment. And God has a way of making something beautiful out of something terrible. I don't know how he does it. But I know that he does do it. Looking for the perfect story for this, of uh, you know, news clippings and, and Google searches, and I, I left a lot on the cutting room floor for it because the thing is is that a personal story actually serves it better. About uh, five years ago, March 2018, Uh, I got a a head head injury Uh, it was a you know an accident where we were loading something in a trailer and you know the details aren't important Um, but I noticed that not only did I have trouble you know in the ensuing days but the days turned into weeks and the weeks turned into months and it took a long time to recover and had great doctors great medical team did a couple rounds of physical therapy to get better. And it was kind of a slow recovery, but you know, doing much better, um, you know, these days and stuff. But one of the things that happened in the midst of that was I felt awful. My brain didn't work the way that it used to work. I couldn't think the way that I used to think. I didn't feel physically the way I used to feel physically. I felt like somebody else walking around inside my body, like a different person almost. And I just didn't understand why I wasn't getting better. I didn't understand why I felt this way. And I prayed so often, God, Will you just heal me? Will you just fix this so that we can, we can move on? And it was kind of one of those, my grace is sufficient for you moments. And there's still, there's still many moments when I feel ongoing effects of that, searching for a word here and there and having kind of some uh, issues if I get stressed out, things like that. But I've learned to, learned to kind of walk the path of life a little differently. And, but here's the thing is that there's actually a gift in that. Because now since then, I've run into so many people along the way in ministry and in life who had that experience happen to them. And I'm able to say, yeah, this is what it was like for me. And and I can listen and I can listen well and walk with them in it. And it can just be a moment where God takes something that is hurtful and use it for redemption and use it for beauty and use it for his glory and it's just so humbling to be a part of that. Because I would have way preferred for God to just take that away. And instead, he said, John, let me redeem it. Let me make something beautiful out of this. And the thing is, is that what that leads to is a perspective change. It changes our perspective from, um, hey, God, I'm, I'm hurt and and I'm, I'm struggling and I'm suffering and those are very legitimate things to say to God. But it changes our perspective over time into instead of I'm hurting, after a time of of healing and God redeeming it, it leads us to a place where now I can see the world as, you know what, I have an opportunity to help. I have an opportunity to step into that place with somebody else and point them to the one who can redeem that pain the one who can lead them forward to the one who can make something beautiful out of something hurtful in their life too. And that's a call that God puts on all of us. You see, pain can actually, like I said, it's kind of a gift um, because it makes us aware. It it even sounds funny saying that, that pain can be a gift. But it's just like physical pain. You know, if, if I didn't have physical, the, feel, you know, the, the sensation of pain in my hand and I touched a hot stove and I didn't know it was hot and I left my hand there for too long and it, and it got injured because I didn't know that it hurt, then I would be in much worse shape. And so sometimes that pain, it just makes us more aware to the things that are going on around us and the things that people around us are going through. Author C.S. Lewis, uh, he says that God actually uses pain kind of like a megaphone. He says that uh, pain insists upon being attended to. It gets our attention. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. In other words, God doesn't cause our pain. I'm going to be careful and say that. I don't think for one moment that God causes our pain and is the source of, of that. But he does use it. He does work in redemptive ways through it. He does get my attention through it. He does make me more attentive to others around me through it. He does make me more attentive to Him through it. So there's something to be thankful for in that. And again, Paul, he knows this. When he's writing here, he, he's written in Romans chapter 5 as well that, you know, hey, we all go through suffering in life. This is, again, something that we all face. But you see, the thing about suffering is that suffering, it teaches us perseverance when we walk with God through that suffering. When we continue to walk with God, when we learn perseverance, that teaches us about character. And then, when we keep walking with God through that, that character, it, it teaches us about hope. It points us to our ultimate hope beyond the moment that I'm in right now and the place that I am right now. It gives me a much broader perspective on who God is and what his creation is and who I am in it and who I am in his family as a child adopted into his very family. Now, folks, like we said at first, sometimes we mess it up. Sometimes we're the ones who step in it. But I hope that when that happens, We, instead of building ourselves up and defending ourselves, instead I hope that we turn to God and see that He offers us grace in that moment. And for those of us who have gone through or are currently going through a season where we experience that kind of pain that's not our fault but that gets put onto us that we didn't ask for, and it'd be really great if God would just take it away and remove it. I hope that we see tonight. I hope that God, the Holy Spirit works in us to see that even if that pain isn't removed, God can still offer redemption through that. God can still use that for beauty and for His glory. And God can bring healing even in the midst of it. Because see folks, that's the promise of Easter. We're still in this Easter season. The season of celebrating, continuing to celebrate the resurrected Christ. The power that he, the power that we get to tap into when he broke death, hell, and the grave itself. That's who we serve. You see, I'm not perfect. I'm gonna mess it up. Will again, I promise you. And I don't live in a perfect world. I'm pretty sure that I'll experience something harmful thrown my way that I had nothing to do with. Probably gonna happen but I'm not perfect, I don't live in a perfect world, but we do serve a perfect God. And we are made in His image, beautifully and wonderfully and fearfully made. And He knows exactly where we are. He sees us exactly right where we are in this moment. You know what He says to us tonight? He says that pain and, 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 and failure and weakness, those do not have the last word. Instead, we have victory in him it may not feel like victory from the situation right now but i guarantee you it is victory in the midst of it so with that in mind what is he calling us to how is he calling us to respond tonight is there something that we need to say we're sorry for Is there something that happened to us beyond our control that we just need to go before God and say, God, I know I've been asking you to take this away, but instead of removal, can you at least sense what redemption is like in this? May we all trust the grace of God tonight. Let us pray. God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for your word. We give you thanks for the power of the resurrection in this season of Easter. God, we know... We confess before you our need for a Lord and a savior. We know that we mess it up, Lord, and you know that we experience pain and heartache when it's not our fault. So wherever we are tonight, each one of us in this room, help us to trust that you see us. Help us to, to have the vulnerability, to have the humility to go before you or to others and say, hey, I'm sorry, this was my fault so that we can experience growth and transformation in you. Lord, and for those of us tonight who ask, God, will you please just take this pain away? Lord, it's my hope that that you do. We'll continue to ask that, but if you would rather have us walk in that, Lord, then let us see that we're not alone walking in it, that you are walking with us, and that you offer us redemption, even in the midst of a difficult journey. May we see that we truly have a victory in you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.